call them blessed. Whole nations may be enlightened by them. And again, it's so important for us to bring our children to Christ. Who knows the glory that God wants to reveal in their lives and through their lives. How special to be able to say, I know nothing but walking in truth. I know nothing but walking with the Lord, right? I, I know many of you here probably wish that you walked with the Lord sooner. So hopefully we get to see our sons and daughters realize that goal. Now, one thing I heard in a couple of teachings I listened to, and it's so important, I should have started it all off with this. There are no guarantees in parenting. That's the hard pill to swallow, right? There are no guarantees in parenting. There are no guarantees in this parenting seminar, right? No money back guarantee, nothing like that. Parenting is hard, and it's difficult because we can do our best, and thank the Lord, He judges us based on our faithfulness. Not necessarily on the fruit. He's going to judge us based on our faithfulness. We don't have time, but Genesis chapter 4, 1 through 8, we know Adam and Eve, the first man and woman ever, the first marriage ever, right out of the garden. They actually walked with God, and yet their first son murders their second son, right? Cain and Abel, first guys out of the batch, right? Abel, he's there. He wants to worship the Lord. He's worshiping the Lord based on faith, Cain, he's worshiping the Lord based on his own works, thinking that he deserves for his sacrifice to be accepted. And Cain gets so angry that he ends up killing his brother even after God warned him. There's no guarantees in parenting. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 24 through 27, right, we have a group of twins here, Esau and Jacob. Same parents, same crazy parenting style between dad and mom, one a favorite for mom, one a favorite for dad, and yet they were sworn enemies. They're always fighting with one another, taking and conniving from one another. Jacob having to flee for his life because Esau wanted to kill him. Again, as long as our kids have a free will, we can do all that we are supposed to do and they still might not walk with God. That's a hard way to start the, the, the conference or the seminar, but it's a good reminder to us that even though we don't know what's going to happen, we should do all that is in within us to get the best result. Again, nevertheless, we are to raise our children for God and for His glory, and the Lord will judge based on our faithfulness. So again, our heart is to be faithful, to make sure that we're leading them in the right direction. And an important thing is to remember who our kids are. If you don't remember who they are, remember who their parents are, right? Remember what their parents are capable of. Remember what their parents did when they were their age and when they were kids. And if maybe their parents are perfect, again, be reminded of Adam and Eve. They're sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. They've all sinned. They've all fallen short of the glory of God. And all of our sons and daughters, as perfect and sweet and amazing as they may be, they're all sinners. They're all sinners. Suzanne Wesley, she had two, she had lots of great kids, but she had two amazing sons, all right, Charles Wesley, John Wesley. Suzanne Wesley, she says, the parent who studies to subdue self-will in his child works together with God in the saving of a soul. The parent who indulges self-will does the devil's work, makes religion impractical, salvation unattainable, and does all that is in him to drown his child, soul, 
and body forever. Again, our job as parents is to be reminded, okay, how did we come to God? It's by coming to the end of ourselves and saying it's not by my strength, it's not by my religion, it's not by my works, it's all through the Lord. That, that heart of humility. So again, in, in our goal to see them walk in truth, especially for our younger kids, I think the three things that we should be focused on in growing and maturing in our children is obedience, respect, and gratitude. That should be our goal. Just, just real simple laid out there for us. Again, the ultimate goal is that they walk in truth. And now what can we be doing so that they attain that walking in truth is to grow them and teach them obedience, respect, and gratitude. Again, you could be thinking every month, how has my son, how has my daughter grown in obedience, respect and gratitude over this month over these next two months over this year how have they grown in these three aspects because depending how they grow in those characteristics it's going to open doors for them and hopefully open their hearts to the gospel and the truth of the gospel a question for us is within our children's testimony will we be a part of what brought them to christ or will we be the reason or the thing that repelled them from Christ, right? Maybe you think of your parents within your testimony. For some of us, our parents, they brought us right to the steps of Christ, even when we were kicking and screaming sometimes. But for others of us, right, maybe our parents, maybe that aunt or uncle left such a horrible taste of Christianity that we wanted nothing to do with the Lord. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 13, it says, Then the little children, they were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray or give a blessing to them. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Again, parents, are we bringing our little children to the Lord that they'd be able to receive blessings from God? Or are we the one in the way forbidding them or blocking them from being able to come to Christ? Charles Spurgeon, he was speaking of the prayers of his mother for him. And he said, Then came a mother's prayer, and some of the words of a mother's prayer we shall never forget, even when our hair is gray. I remember on one occasion her praying thus, Now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. And my soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold of Christ. The thought of a mother bearing swift witness against me pierced my conscience and stirred my heart for the Lord. Again, whose side are we on with our kids? Are we there to just protect them from all pain, all consequences? Or are we there to protect them from hell? Right? That should be our mindset. What are we trying to really protect them from? From that big mean teacher or that big mean other person? Or are we saying, no, I need to see them grow in obedience, respect, and gratitude so that they can walk in the truth so that they will have their souls there in heaven? Again, will they be in hell in a sense because of ignorance? They didn't know the truth or because you were constantly giving them the truth. Now, in order to do parenting God's way, we need to make sure that we are living life. 
in God's way. Uh, a scripture that more and more has been convicting me and I want to live by it is John 15 verse 5. Jesus tells us, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. It's the second half of that scripture that I at least forget quite often, right? I remember, okay, abide, I got to work on abiding, I got to abide, I got to spend time with Jesus, spend time in his word. But I often forget and need to be reminded, for without me, you can do nothing. So even in our parenting, are we just depending on our own skills, our own blogs, right, our own social media pages that we follow, or are we depending on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read through it real quick. I know uh, Chris and Jerry, I think they're going to go more in-depth on some of these scriptures. I might run across them, but they'll come back later and hit them. But again, in the mindset, okay, I want to do parenting God's way. I think that's why you guys are here. We need to first and foremost make sure that we are living life God's way. Because, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, if we're a hypocrite, there's no way to do parenting God's way. If we are not living as actual believers and being obedient to God and His calling for us, we are being a hypocrite and then we are unable to do parenting in a godly way. Again, we need to seek His guidance, His help, desiring to act in a way that gains His approval. But in uh, Colossians chapter 3, we turn there. And uh, we'll just read through the scriptures, right? Verse 12 through 17, there it speaks of the character that we are to have as believers, as Christians. We'll read through those verses. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. And again, these are all things for us to put on, first and foremost, into our lives, in our marriages, and in our parenting, in our discipline, and in our training. Put on tender mercy kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, our desire is that everything we do, we are seeking God's guidance and God's help, desiring to act in a way as to gain His approval. And His approval we have in Christ, in the blood of Christ, we're perfect, we're brought in, we're part of the family of God, but one day all of our actions will be judged. That's again, it's scary for our parenting. The way we parented, the way we disciplined, when we lost our temper, when we got in arguments, right? When we didn't forgive, when we weren't speaking in love and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, all of that will be judged. Thank God in Christ, the only judgment there is, hey, are you in Christ or not? And that's it, we're saved. But after that, all of our actions will be judged. 
So again, how can we do parenting in a godly way? First and foremost is make sure that we're doing verse 12 through 17. We're putting on mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. We're being kind and forgiving. We're speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Right? How many of us hear the words our parents told us or did not tell us how it affected our lives? Right? We, all, we all told ourselves that saying on the playground, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? We would tell that to the bully like as we're crying, right? We would say that all the time, right? But man, we can damage our children so quickly by our words. But we're not speaking in kindness and love, right? Those psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. That's when we can really damage them. We can wreck them. It's that we're, we do um, uh, Levi and Ella. Ella doing jujitsu is funny, but both of them learn jujitsu, and uh, it's sad to see how some of the parents talk to their kids. See some of the parents pulling them aside and cussing their seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old out, and guilting them on how they're paying, how they're there for extra classes, how they're paying for private lessons, and yet they still don't understand it. And right away, that that kid doesn't look grateful or thankful. Like, yeah, Dad, I want to do my best now. They're destroyed. They're a wreck. They hate having to be there right now. So again, our words, how they're so important. The context here of Paul writing to the Colossians. Then we continue verse 18 through um, 25. He now speaks on our families and the way that we should be living. So 17 is sort of the key verse that connects it to everything we're doing. It's for God Asking God for guidance, asking God for his help, and living and doing in such a way that we would hear that well done, good and faithful servant. Now in verse 18 through 23, he tells us, wives, that's the first part, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, The Greek word there is for both parents, but specifically the fathers also applies to moms. Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Again, family, everything we do, it's for God. It's for the Lord. Our parenting is for the Lord. One thing I wrote down here, a little nugget of wisdom, is be all in wherever you're at. Wherever you're at, be all in. Some people ask me, how do you do it? All the different things that you're doing. How do you balance it? I don't really know. It's all the grace of God. But one of the things I've learned is to be all in wherever I'm at. And the other parties tend to not complain or feel hurt or neglected if you're all in. If you're all in at work and your spouse understands, hey, honey, while I'm at work, unless there's an emergency, I don't need to hear about them spilling their chicken nuggets or not, okay? I love you, but I need to be all in here so that when I'm at home, guess what? I'm all in as well. I encourage you, it's a lot easier to be a good parent when you don't have your phone in front of you than when you have your phone in front of you. When you get home, unless there's emergencies going on, Put that phone at the entryway and be all in with your wife. Be all in with your kids. Put your phone away 
and the distractions. Be all in with the kids. And then when you're doing something that's important, that requires your attention, let your sons and daughters know. Let your spouse know, hey, I need five minutes here so I can give my undivided attention to X, Y, or Z. But be all in wherever you're at. There in verse 23, that's what he says. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. We should be all in with our whole heart. We should be plowing into whatever we are doing. A similar scripture to Colossians, it's in Ephesians chapter 6. I know the guys will go over it later more in depth. Verse, chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Paul, he also tells the Ephesians very similarly, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Again, the context in chapter 4, he talks about the new man, the, the spirit we're supposed to walk in. Then in chapter 5, how we're supposed to walk in love and in light and in wisdom. And then after we've put on Christ, we've put on the new character, now we can live as a godly family. And there in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. As you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Again, this is where we get the importance of obedience and respect from our children. The commandment from Paul is for them to obey and from, for them to honor or to respect their children. And again, the reality is our kids, they only need to obey us when they're in our homes, when it has to do with the Lord, they're in our homes, they're minors. But after that, they just have to continue to respect us or honor. Same thing with us, right? I mentioned that with the Ten Commandments. If your mom tells you to clean and make your bed, to clean your room, you can say, sorry, mom. They don't want to do that, right? Because you guys are all adults here, hopefully. But uh, right again, that's again the heart, the importance in Scripture for children is to obey and to respect. It's so important to God. And if we know how important it is from the Lord for us to obey, how can we not demand that or expect that from our kids? Right In the Old Testament, it, sometimes it's like, God, is this really that big of a deal? Right, The idols or the circumcision or the Passover or the seventh year. But because they did not obey, consequences ensued. And we should be teaching our children, again, to honor and respect their parents so that they would honor and respect authority, so that they would honor and respect the authority of God and of Scripture and how we should obey that. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, here Samuel, he famously says, he tells Saul, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Again, Saul got in a lot of trouble and had the kingdom of Israel taken away from him because he kept on disobeying God. That's why it's so important for us to teach our children to obey and to respect and to have gratitude. I was listening a long time ago to a psychologist. He's on the fence. I don't know if he's saved or not. He talks about the Bible a lot. But... He tells us to, again, raise our kids right. And I wrote down here, the more obedient, the more respectful, and the more grateful our children are, the more doors that will open up for them. 
The more obedient, respectful, and grateful our children are, the more doors that will be opened up for them. First and foremost, you as a parent will enjoy your son or daughter more if they're more obedient, if they're more respectful, and if they're more grateful. You as parents, you will enjoy their company more if they're growing in those things. And then also a newsflash, everyone else will enjoy their company more if they're obedient, if they're respectful, and if they're grateful, right? Who do you love working with at work? Oh, I love that guy. I love that lady. They're just so disrespectful, man. I love working with them, right? I love working on projects with them. They just, man, they share no gratitude. They're always bitter and angry and complaining. I love spending time with them, right? They never obey. They never follow the rules. I ask them to do this. They're always angry at me. I just love spending time with them. Again, family, as our children grow in these three specific characteristics, doors will open up for them. More people will want to spend time with them and give wisdom to them. And that's where in us as parents demanding and growing our kids in this, we're opening doors for other wise people to pour out wisdom into them. Whereas if they're disrespectful, if they're ungrateful, and if they're disobedient, those wise people, even if they're as Jesus-loving as possible, it's going to be hard for them to want to download more wisdom into our son or daughter if they're kicking them in the shin, right? Or when they say, hey, come here and sit still, and they're not doing it, they're not going to want to sit there and wrestle them trying to pour in the wisdom that they've gleaned over the years of their lives. And a common blessing I've seen within my life and with the lives of other young men and women is to have godly people all around them. Not just you and your spouse, right? Not just you as a single mom or single dad, but to have other godly people in children's ministry, in the youth group, in the young adults, so that they're hearing it in surround sound. Again, family, we have all been there where our spouse or our parents have been telling us the same thing over and over and over and over again, right? Honey, you should cut your hair. Honey, you should shave your beard. Honey, you should do this. Thing. Nah, 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 right? And a coworker or a friend says, hey, you would look really good with a beard. You know what? I was just thinking about that, right? And it's like, honey, you know what my coworker said? And it's like, I've been telling you that for years, right? The same is true with our sons and daughters, and that's why it's so important to bring them up in the family of God, be bringing them to children's ministry, to VBS, to the different things at church, so that they'd be surrounded with that godly counsel, because they will buck at our authority. Right? We've all been there. I know I wasn't a saint growing up, right? I don't know about you guys. You guys were all saints growing up, always obeyed your parents, always listened to them, right? But it's so important to have other godly men and women around our sons and daughters. Responsibility is all ours, but it's going to make our lives easier. Another thing to note, our children are a gift from God to us. To grow us. And then he will judge us on our faithfulness. Again, our sons and daughters are not supposed to live with us for forever, right? I don't know if anybody has that newborn baby and they're just like, oh, I just want you to stay with me until you're 40 years old and single, right? <laughs> that shouldn't be our desires. We want to see them grow and mature in life and they're going to move on to different seasons in life. It's a gift from the Lord to us to really grow us and then show us more of himself and more of his word in our lives. Let's turn to Psalm 127 
And here again it talks about the blessings of having children and then some of the practical life application on what it takes to have children and to parent in the right manner. And again, lots of times we joke, we joke around and lots of times parenting is basically keeping that little person alive, right? A lot, a lot of parenting is just keeping that person alive. But at a certain point, it grows a lot more than that. Where now you are, you're teaching them, right? You're admonishing them, you're encouraging them. You're seeing who they are and the different personalities they have, what they're good at, what they're bad at, and it takes so much more. Listening to a teaching, I'll quote him again later on, but Sandy Adams, he, taught, he spoke about being on uh, different flights with different parents and kids. And the first flight, there was this dad with his daughter, and it was her first time on the plane. So he's talking to her about everything and how the plane works and the engine works. And, honey, if you're scared, you could hold my hand, right? And he's walking her through everything, and he's teaching her about everything on the plane. And that was one parent. And then there was another parent, a a dad with his son. He got on the plane, and he told the kid, listen, put on your seatbelt. Be quiet. I'm going to go to sleep for the next three hours, right? And he said the poor kid, he was afraid, he was scared, but all of life, he was basically teaching himself. He was learning on his own, even with his dad right next to him. So again, for us, a good part of parenting, yes, is is keeping that little person alive. But growing from that, as we should be following our Heavenly Father, how He teaches us, He encourages us, He disciplines us, right? God doesn't just say, hey, let me take a nap and just be quiet. Sit down there and don't do nothing crazy, right? But Psalm 127, verse 3 through 5, it tells us, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Again, God's word tells us children are a heritage from God himself. And being able to have children and bear children, it is a reward. It's a blessing from God. We know that in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, God tells us that he formed our inward parts. He covered us, he created us in our mother's womb, and that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. God made each of us specifically. He fashioned and formed each and every one of our sons and daughters specifically with purpose. And a reality for us to have is that besides for the Lord, besides church, no one else, nothing else is really trying to help you in your parenting. Nothing else in this world is trying to help you in your parenting besides God, His Word, and the church. When the people who design video games are designing their video games, they're not saying, you know what, how can I teach this 14-year-old kid how to be more obedient to their parents, right? How can I teach them that, right? Disney Channel, when they're designing new, new movies, right, how can we teach kids, right, to respect their parents more, right? That's not going on in those meetings and on YouTube, right, or whatever music video, whatever artist your son or daughter likes to listen to, right? Maybe none of us are there yet, but some of us, right? None of those people are saying, you know what, let me make a song on the top 10 charts that teaches kids how to respect and love their parents, right? How to show them how to be more grateful. That's important for us to know that this world is fighting 
against us when it comes to parenting. Our world is telling our children more than ever before that they know best, they're smart, right? Maybe we've been there, talk about it in services, right? We tell the, uh, the older people, right, boomer, be quiet, stay over there, stay in your corner. And our world more than ever before is praising and worshiping youth and looking down upon elderly people and wisdom that is gained through years of life. But from God, it's seen as a blessing. From the Lord, it's seen as a reward. Again, our world, our world system is fighting all this. We're now having children, it's seen as a disadvantage. Where women are talking about, I'm not going to have a baby shower. It's not about the baby. I'm going to have a mother shower. And I'm just going to just be showered with being a mom and what this is going to mean for me. Again, our world is twisting all of it. Amanda, she told me to be careful. Last service, I mentioned how older single ladies and being a cat person, right, or just being happy with just a cat, how that's the same as having kids. So I won't go there. But there was literally a cat food commercial that we watched today, right? <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that cat food commercial. But there is a lady, and she has a cat on her shoulder. And you hear, you don't even see the poor kid. You just hear the boy saying, Mom, I, I cut myself. I hurt myself. And the mom just goes, go get a Band-Aid. And the kid says, it's really bad. It's bleeding really bad. Go get two Band-Aids. And then the next clip, it shows the lady feeding the cat and taking care of the cat. So I guess that was not off limits. But that's literally what our world <laughs> is trying to teach us. That the parenting, the kids, man, they're, they're a pain. They're an annoyance. They're holding us back. Right? So it's so sad. Sometimes you hear, I hope, I hope none of you guys, I hope after this parenting seminar, you'll grow in this. But some parents are like, man, enjoy marriage when it's just you two. Because after that, it's just the worst, right? Maybe that's not you guys, but if not, you get to look forward to when they're out of the home, right? Later on, we'll have to have an empty nest seminar. But, um, <laughs> but man, the joys of parenting, how it, it really is, and I've heard a lot of people say it is the hardest, most exhausting thing ever, but it is the most worthwhile and fruitful and the biggest blessing that we can have in our lives. Because again, I know you guys have heard it, right? We are not to be our kids' friends in this season. We're to be their parents. We're really teaching them morality. We're teaching them how to respect God, what's right, what's wrong in the eyes of God. And just being a friend isn't going to cut it for those certain things. Sooner or later, if things are done right and if the Lord does that work in their lives and in our lives, they will become our friends. And they will be our friends, right? And it's the same thing with marriage and how the enemy wants us to get ahead of ourselves, right? Before we're married, God wants us to have that intimacy and get ahead in the seasons of life that God has ordained for a certain period and a certain purpose. But then later on, once you're married, then there's a battle, a division. You just want breaks from one another. Before you get married, there's nothing you can do to keep your hands off of each other. And the same thing can happen with us with our sons and daughters, that we're desiring to be liked by them. We're desiring to be their friends. Where right now, we need to be their parents. And if we do this season right, later on in time, we'll just be able to be their friends and sit down with them and talk with them. Again, through that respect and gratitude and again the reminder to us are these things just naturally built into us are we just naturally respectful naturally grateful are we just naturally obedient right if maybe you forgot and you could ask the kids ministry workers right are the kids just naturally obedient 
naturally respectful, naturally have that gratitude. And I think that's part of the reason why the psalmist tells us that like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Because again, in this time period, it's not like you could just go to the sporting store and just buy a pack of arrows. You had to create your own arrows. You had to get a bunch of raw wood and raw sticks and sit there and carefully carve out each one so that it would fly correctly. A.R. Falsetti says, A man of war is glad with weapons which may fly where he cannot. What wonders a good man can accomplish if he has affectionate children to second his desires and lend themselves to his designs. To this end, we must have our children in hand while they are yet children. Or they are never likely to be so when they are grown up. And we must try to point them and straighten them so as to make arrows of them in their youth, lest they should prove crooked and unserviceable in afterlife. Let the Lord favor us with loyal, obedient, affectionate offspring, and we shall find them our best helpers. We shall see them shot forth into life to our comfort and delight. If we take care of them from the very beginning, that they are directed to the right point. Again, we need to sharpen them. We need to shape them. We need to do that work. I've done a little bit of woodworking here and then. And one of the most tiring and exhausting parts of woodworking is running a planer. And running a planer is when you get a crooked board and you make it straight. And I had to do this big project, and I went in and I run the planer, and at the end of the day, I was just sweating with sawdust everywhere because you are forcing that wood through these little things that are eating away at the wood and straightening it, and you got to move it around. you got to make sure one side, because if one side's not straight, the other side's not going to get straight. Big, huge, long story. But again, the work of sharpening and straightening our children so that they would fly in the things of God, it's tiring. It's exhausting. It's not easy work. And how do we straighten and point this raw wood to form it into an arrow? We read it there in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, that we bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, that we discipline them and we encourage them. And we need to have both. And sometimes, again, within our marriage, God makes us together that one is better at encouraging and the other one's better at disciplining. But you got to work together in concert and as a team. Uh, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. I'm going to go through a few scriptures here in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 through 12, it says... My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Again, the pieces of wood that someone chooses to put through a planer and to put through all the work that it takes to straighten it, it's important to that woodworker. 
It's a cherished piece of wood, right? It's an important piece of walnut. It's an expensive piece of wood. He doesn't just grab a random piece of wood from Home Depot that looks like an S pattern and say, you know what? This one's important to me. I'm going to go through all this work. And the same is true for us. If we delight in our children, if we love them, then we are to be correcting them. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, it tells us, He who spares his rod hates, not spoils, hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, it gives us the reason why we do all these things. Why do we discipline our children? Why do we discipline them with a rod as it tells us there in Proverbs? In, verse, in chapter 22, verse 15 of Proverbs, it gives us the reason. It's because foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Later on in Hebrews chapter 12, the author of Hebrews Probably Paul, he'll, he'll write and he'll mention these same scriptures. And he tells us, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son whom he receives. So it's disciplining, it's a rod, it's scourging, and it's all towards those who they delight in, who they love in, who they care about. What is this weird, twisted form of love, right? But this is the biblical mandate for us as parents. And one of the ways that we discipline our kids, because hopefully we know that the path of that self-will, as Miss Wesley talked about in the beginning, it leads to pain. When we go about our lives just fulfilling our own needs and desires, it leads to pain. And now the reason why we bring the rod is to give them a smaller, lesser taste of that pain to protect them from the larger and greater and more terrible pain that would come from that self-will. Uh, listening to a couple of teachings from Sandy Adams, he says, when we discipline our children, we need to give them three things. We need to give them reason, we need to give them rope, and we need to give them the rod. First and foremost is that we should have a true reason why we're asking these things from our sons and daughters. And first and foremost is anything in God's word. Anything that's biblically fit for them, that should be a demand that we have for our sons and daughters. It used to drive me crazy as a kid, but my dad, when he would discipline me, he would sit me down with the Bible. He would say, okay, Zach, this is what the Bible says. Do you know any other scripture that says otherwise? No, Dad, you're a pastor. I'm not, right? So just get on with it. Just, let's just do this, right? But that's the way we should be parenting because that's the way we should be living, right? It all goes back to the beginning. How is our relationship with God? And if our relationship with God is off and we're living a hypocritical life, our kids are going to be repelled to the things of God. So we need to be able to give them a good reason, Yes, sometimes there's not enough time to explain and you have to use the I told you so, but as much as possible within us, we need to give that reason ahead of time. Next is to give them that rope. Give them a small, right? You think of how they test the cars, right? In a protected environment with the crash test dummies, right? You give them a safe environment to exercise that self-discipline. You say, hey, this is the reason if you do X, Y, or Z, this is really bad. You shouldn't do that. You got to be obedient to this. And now you give them freedom within a safe environment to do X, Y, or Z. 
And then finally you give them the rod. If they do something you told them not to do and it's going to lead to their own pain, if it's not a terrible pain, let them go through it. Let them taste it. There's been a couple of times we're at sushi restaurants or we order sushi. I tell my kids, don't touch that green stuff. <laughs> don't touch that green stuff. Amanda always saves them at the last minute, right? Luke is like, oh, it's ice cream. I'm like, don't touch that green stuff, right? And Luke's about to go in. Amanda saves them at the last minute, right? Sometimes eating Mexican food, don't touch that sauce. That sauce is spicy, right? And they'll touch it. They'll touch their eyes. They'll touch their mouth. And they'll start freaking out, right? He gave you the reason. It's in a controlled environment. They're not playing with a weapon. They're not playing with pepper spray, right? They're not running out in traffic. But let them taste of the fruit of disobedience. And if it's an environment where the actual punishment that's naturally going to come is worse than a spanking, you give them the spanking. You said the S word, right? You believe in spanking. Do you still believe in that? There is... A bittersweet season that we are in, right, within America, within our life, uh, that things are getting absolutely insane. But I'm kind of happy with it in certain aspects because many believers adopted certain things within psychology. And they said, this is what psychologists say. So I know that the psalmist and the author of Hebrews uses like harsh words like rod and chastening and mean things like that but that could be like verbally right that could be like you know you're disciplining with the rod of your mouth and like all this stuff where if, if you're going to go down that path with psychology you have to admit psychologists also believe your kids can pick what gender they are you have to believe that those same psychologists are believe all sorts of things that they don't even they should they believe they don't have to ask you to talk with them about their gender and sexuality so if we're wanting to look at scripture through the lens of the psychologist, just be prepared to look at it through all of their lens. Now again, correction should lead to direction. It, it shouldn't just be that you're spanking for the sake of spanking. We'll go over later and spanking should never be because you're frustrated or angry. That is the absolute last and worst reason to do it. You're correcting them. You are training them to do so. And again, the rod, the spanking comes when the natural rod of occurrence would be worse than that spanking. When we discipline our kids, the aim has to be right for it to be the actual godly discipline. We got to make sure that our aim is right. That again, it's not that our our we're angry or we're frustrated or we had a tough day at work or we're having some friction in our marriage and now we're taking it out on our kids. That is the worst thing we could do. A list that I compiled, I got a few of these things from Sandy Adams. Again, number one, when should we spank our kids or how should we spank our kids? Never, ever, ever, ever in anger. Never, ever, ever in anger. Again, when the Lord disciplines us, as he mentioned in Proverbs, as he mentioned in Hebrews, it's not out of anger, but it's out of love. It's out of care. So if you need to sit back and cool down, do so. I encourage you. The, the second thing, how do you discipline correctly? How do you spank a kid correctly? It's to pray beforehand and afterwards. To pray, again, you're bringing the Lord, you're bringing the ultimate authority who hopefully you're being obedient to and you're respecting and you're teaching them, hey, what I'm doing is because I obey and respect 
this authority and this biblical authority. It's also proven in my life that when we're there praying, I'm able to cool down more and more. I'm able to also pray and say, Lord, show me, fill me with your spirit if I'm supposed to extend grace right now or if I'm supposed to extend all the way through this spanking and through this rod. It's not just you just said it in your mind, I said this or I have to do this. No, you're praying and you're being filled with your spirit, with the spirit of God. Now, if you're always showing grace and the spanking's never coming, then again, pray once again. Number three, how do we do this correctly? Make sure it's for the right reason. What's the right reason? A deliberate act of defiance. Not them doing dumb things as kids, right? We were all there when we did dumb things as kids, right? Some of you guys have eaten Play-Doh. Some of you guys have eaten glue, right? Some of us have gotten our heads stuck in the staircase, right? And we're looking around. Some of us, right, have put certain things in freezers, right? We've all done crazy things as kids. That's never a reason why you spank a kid. Never the reason why you spank a kid. You spank them because you told them, hey, we don't do this. You gave them the reason. You gave them the freedom. And now they've done so. It's because it's a deliberate act of defiance. Not because they're silly. Now, if you've told them, right, got away. If they do that thing, that's crazy. And then you tell them, okay, we don't do these things then it's in a different place. Number four, again, right, having the right aim, that's the only way we can discipline in a godly way. It's never in the face. It's always on the rear, right? Our God, as we are fearfully and wonderfully made, our God, as he's made so many inc- inc- wow, I'm killing this word, intricacies throughout all of nature, do we think our bottoms have extra cushioning by mistake, right? Is that just a mistake from the Lord? No, he created that for a reason, right? That's the correct place to put down the discipline. Again, it's never in their face. shouldn't be with our words. It should never be to humiliate them or belittle them. The whole heartbeat is we doing this because I love you. Because I want you to respect. I want you to obey. I want you to be grateful. Number five. Use the rod and not your hands. Again, you don't want your kids to be afraid of you. You want them to fear the rod, right? It's all about sparing the rod, and that rod is so important. I was listening to a teaching, and, and this is crazy. Uh, it talked about how their mom had a paddle in front of all the kids' bedrooms, and on top of it, we, I think we sang the song, it says, Lord, I, I just says, I need thee every hour. And then later on, the kids are like, was that to God or was that the paddle, right? Which one is it? Maybe a little bit of both. But again, to use something else, to use a spatula, right? To have that wooden rod. Sometimes it's just, it adds more respect if it's there. I remember sometimes when I was acting a little bit crazier and crazier that one of my parents would, they just put the like chancleta on the, on the table, right? It's like, all right, time to, time to get it right, right? It's about to get real. Or put this bachelor, or walk out with the belt around their neck. And, okay, right, time, time to shape up, right? Again, that's not that they're afraid of you. The next thing, how do we do this right? Number six, be consistent. Don't do it out of convenience. Don't say, okay, they disobeyed during a commercial break, so now's perfect time, right? It's halftime of the game, so now's perfect time. We're at the restaurant, we were already walking out to the car, so now's the perfect time. No, we have to be consistent. So many times our sons and daughters, what they're asking for is they're asking, okay, what are the boundaries? 
what's okay and what's not okay, morally what's right and what's not right. And if we're not consistent, we're, we're going to mess them up. Because one moment they're going to think, okay, this thing is wrong. And then the next moment, okay, I guess this is okay if dad's watching the game or if mom's watching her novella. I don't know if people still watch novellas, right? But man, we have to be consistent. It's not out of convenience. Number seven, make sure you do it quickly and that they know the reason for it, right? Some of the worst things, and it's happened sometimes, my son or daughter does something wrong and someone will tell me like hours afterwards. I'm like, they're not going to remember why. If I just bring them into the bathroom and go through the prayer and go through everything, they're not going to remember why I'm disciplining them. Again, make sure you do it quickly and that they know the reason why that you're doing it. Hey, I love you. This is what God's word says. This is what we talked about. Do you remember this? Do you remember when we do this? Number eight, make sure the punishment fits the crime. Make sure the punishment fits the crime. For my dad, he literally had like a rules and regulations behind the door that said, if you do this, it equals this. If you do this, it equals that. If you do this, it equals that, right? Make sure the punishment fits the crime. And number nine, it's one of the, I think, most important of all, always reconcile. Always reconcile. Again, as we're following God and God's word, our Lord always wants to reconcile with us. Because again, his discipline is to love us. It's to care for us, to bring us back into unity with him. Because our sin and our disobedience, it separates us from God. So because he loves us so much, he allows that discipline to come in so that we'd be reconciled and with him once again. Always reconcile. Always hug them. Always love them. Always give them those kisses, right? And so what age do you discipline with a spanking again at a certain age some parents just don't have the muscle anymore to do it right I remember at a certain age my mom would do it and I was like wait this doesn't hurt wait if she doesn't know it hurts it's gonna get worse ah it's just acting like it acting like it's just as bad as ever before right at a certain age you have to realize okay what's the next tool of discipline if this isn't working, what's going to be the next tool, right? And again, that rod of punishment where they sense that pain, that their disobedience, that their pride, that their lack of gratitude brought them. A couple nuggets I just wrote down um, just thinking, always tell them how much you love them and show them how much you love them. Always tell them how much you love them and show them how much you love them. Whenever I think about it, I tell my kids, hey, I love you. I tell them as much as I can. I never want my kids to doubt or wonder, hey, does dad actually love me? And all throughout scripture, we see how much God loves us. There's chapters and verses all over scripture with the depths of the love that God has for us. He didn't just say, hey, I sent my only son to die for you. Come on, you know how much I love you, right? Come on, you're alive. I'm paying for the roof over your head. I'm sending you to private school. You already know how much I love you, right? Again, let's not use the excuses of our upbringing or of our parents or of their parents to now make a reason for our weaknesses as a parent. Tell them how much you love them and show them how much you love them. Again, don't be a hypocrite, but tell them. I encourage you to tell your spouse how much you love them as often as you can think about it. Next thing I wrote down here is kids are more resilient than adults. Kids are more resilient than adults. Kids are tough, man. The things that kids are able to go through, right? You're there in a playground, you see them fall, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're dead, right? They just get back up and they keep running like nothing happened, right? Our kids are resilient. 
Our kids are resilient. So have that in the back of your head again as you're dealing with the man. If me going to church this often, is it going to kill them? No, our kids are resilient. Again, bringing them to Jesus. The next thing, our kids need encouragement. Again, if all you're doing is disciplining and disciplining and disciplining and disciplining, you're going to snuff out your son or daughter. That's where we're reminded of Jesus, right? How that, that bruised reed, he doesn't throw away, he doesn't keep beating it down. No, it's almost like he sits there and he fixes that broken reed out there in the swamp. That smoldering flax, he doesn't put it out and dump more cold water on it and more discipline. No, he's, he, he heals it. He takes care of it. So again, our sons and daughters, they need encouragement. Another thing I wrote down here, kids begin learning self-discipline from the no's they get from their parents. Kids begin learning self-discipline from the no's that they get from their parents. Sometimes our kids, they just need vitamin N. And sometimes the reason our kids think they can't live with certain things is because we didn't tell them no. Sometimes our kids think that they need our attention right away because we never told them, no, sweetie, mom and dad are talking right now. Give us five minutes, right? Dad and mom, we can't play with you right now. Got to be able to sit down and play by yourself. Frank A. Clark, I like this quote, he says, A child, like your stomach, doesn't need all you can afford to give it. <laughs> A child, like your stomach, doesn't need all you can afford to give it. Again, our kids are resilient. They don't need all the stuff that this world is telling them that they need. All the commercials, right? And I remember for... For a long season, our kids would always, we'd always watch things that were on streaming stuff, right? So there was never commercials, or for a long time we had a DVR, so we'd always fast forward commercials. But then, I forget what happened, we got like a cheaper DVR or something, so they started having commercials, and I was like, out of nowhere, my kids like, I need this toy, right? I was like, you never even knew that existed, right? This is the first time we've ever seen this commercial. What are you talking about, right? Again, they don't need all that you can afford to give them. Kids learn to react in situations based on your reaction in those situations. Kids learn to react in situations based on your reaction in the situation. Again, if, if there's a, a right, your, your kid's just running and they fall on the carpet, if you like melt and cry and you're pulling out the band-aids and you're calling 911, they're going to look and say, oh my goodness, I'm about to die, right? But if they fall down and you say, Good job, right? Or you're okay. Now, if they're like hanging in their arms, like, again, be wise, be good parents. But they're going to learn to react in situations based on your reaction. Uh, so I remember telling Amanda, I think it was the first time she saw a cockroach when Levi was little. She sort of freaked out a little bit. I go, nope, no more. Because from here on out, then he's going to be freaked out by cockroaches. So Amanda, she just sort of holds it in and she just calls me, right? And then I come in. And now my kids, please don't call child services on me. Now my kids, when they see bugs, their first reaction is to smash it with their hands. That's their first reaction. They're not scared of it. They're not afraid of it. So again, our kids will react in situations based on our reactions. And again, I hope you know that our kids, they use whatever language we use, right? They're going to follow your actions. They're going to pull everything that you say, whether you like it or not. Finally, Again, remember the goal, we want them to walk in truth. Remember the goal, we want to see them grow in obedience, respect, and gratitude. But finally, remember, we're teaching them how to be grown men and grown women. We're not teaching them how to be children. They're already a child. They've, they've got that down pat. We're teaching them, hey, this is how it is to be a man. 
This is how it is to be a woman. And again, I don't know if I've ever heard someone say like, man, your kid just needs to be more childish, right? Your kid needs to be more immature. They are just way too mature. They are just acting too much like a man or a, a woman, right? No, usually it's the opposite. People are blessed when our kids have maturity. When our kids are able to act like little women or little men, again, it's a blessing to them. And how we mention it, it's going to open more doors for them. More people that have wisdom and discernment, they're going to be willing to sit down with them and share more of that wisdom, more of that blessing with them because they're strong and that obedience, respect, and gratitude. So hopefully I didn't mess anything up. That's why I figured I'd go first. That way Jerry or Chris could fix it afterwards. But hey, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we love you, God. And uh, Lord, thank you for the blessing of kids, Lord. Uh, Lord, thank you how, Lord, I get blown away, Lord, and so convicted at your love for me, Lord. I get blown away and convicted with my disobedience towards you, Lord, my hard heart towards you, Lord, my lack of obedience, respect, and gratitude to you, Lord, and for my own parents and for the family that you've given us here at the Lord. God, again, just thank you for our sons and daughters, Lord. And Lord, we, we pray for them even now, God. We pray that your spirit would be poured out on them, that they'd be like that young Samuel, that at a young age they're hearing your voice, Lord. And again, Lord, our heart, our prayer, Lord, is that they would never know a day without walking with you, Lord. May they never know a day of being separated from you, Lord. May they always live their life, Lord, following you and seeking you from a young age, God. So again, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.